It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is April 19th, 2016. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Joining me today as co-host is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs, also past Department Commander for the DAV State of Maryland. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you, Gary. Good to be with you. All right. Now, I hope, remember last week, Bill, we had a really good show on. Uh, we had William Galvin, Chief Master Sergeant, retired, and CEO and founder of the Rocky Mountain Veteran Village Foundation. They are a Veterans Recreation and Rehabilitation Center and a nonprofit organization that is a one-stop hub. It's actually a referral and action resource for our veterans to access uh, their earned VA entitlements and receive advocacy leading to a resolution uh, to their lives. If you missed last week's show, be sure to listen to it on the archive show on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Now, Bill, uh, it sounds to me when we talked earlier that you had a pretty exciting um, uh, story that you found, some news. Uh, Why don't we get into that right away? That's just going to take a minute or two. Well, Gary, exciting it is, and this is uh, emanating from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Currently, last Thursday, there was a release uh, by the uh, Inspector General's office within the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, which uh, they identified that the Department of Veterans Affairs has been systematically shredding documents related to veterans' claims possibly affecting benefits for veterans according to the investigation that they came up with. And this investigation was uh, came about uh, uh, from audits of 10 uh, veterans' benefits offices around the country. So that is a concern, and uh, if, uh, if we have any of our veterans today who are uh, concerned about uh, their service-connected cases, uh, they may want to check in a little bit further to see if any of this is having an impact upon us. But uh, that's unfortunate, and uh, we hope this situation can get turned around. Right. Bill, is there a way that they can check? I mean, they can go in there. Uh, what would it be uh, under deleted? <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, uh, they can probably start checking uh, if they're on e-benefits which uh, 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 that's a requirement now because practically all of these claims that are are submitted uh, are are paperless and it's electronically submitted. So there's a point there. Or calling the public affairs office, uh, you know, uh, in that particular area where they might be, uh, and especially from the benefit side of the house. Right. And, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a really good show for you today. Our guest today is, is a phenomenal young lady that knows not only how to grab the bull by the horns, but also toss it to the ground. <laughs> Her story is, is not just about how a program designed to support and take care of our uh, combat veterans nearly destroyed a young veteran's life. It is about a mother's fight to save her son from the cruel hands of the health care and judicial systems that stamped him as a mental patient because he never received the proper rehab specific to his type of brain injury. He was labeled a threat to society and serving his country and his mom risked not only her mental health but her marriage to save his life. Bill, you have the honor of introducing our guest. And it is an honor, Gary, to introduce our special guest today, Vicki Ray. Vicki is a former advocate for severely injured under the Department of Defense Wounded Warrior Program. And Vicki now works full-time on her own advocating for wounded veterans across the United States. Uh, Vicki served as the Texas State Representative for 
the severely wounded from February 2005 to January 2009. She has supported severely wounded across the state of Texas and United States, rallying community involvement and community leaders to support families as they come back to their hometowns. Uh, she has developed relationships with leaders of communities, the military, local citizens in cities across Texas to support her efforts to put on events honoring our heroes, organizing one- to three-day events involving entertainers such as Gary Sinise, local celebrities, including hundreds of volunteers and military leaders for air and ground support. Also working with the news media and local newspapers to do interviews with families, promoting events on TV stations for great exposure. Vicki has spoken with Ross Perot on cases, Troy Aikman, and Roger Starback uh, about support in past years for severely injured. Vicki Ray, welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Welcome, Vicki. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, Vicki, let's start from the beginning. Why don't you tell us the story behind uh, how you really got involved um, in advocacy? Well, it was uh, the day my son was shot in, in Fallujah, um, actually November 13th, 2004. They, um, our military was over there, the Marines and the Army unit was together, and they were clearing the streets of Fallujah, and my son, that was one of the biggest battles where we lost several men, um, I'm not sure about the women, but um, anyway, my son was asked to be a gunner on a Humvee, and he took an AK-47 bullet to his frontal lobe. It actually blew him out of the Humvee, and they had to leave him in the streets. Um, because they uh, couldn't just stop because they were in the middle of a firefight. And I at first thought it was like 25 minutes before they were able to go back and pick him up, but it was actually, after talking to his battle buddy, it was uh, at least 40 minutes before they were able to go back and get him, and he was presumed dead, and Chad was alive. So they flew him to Baghdad, where they did five hours brain surgery, and they removed 30% of his frontal lobe. Um, I had got a phone call while I was at church, and it's not the kind of phone call that they're... I, I was surprised because now at, after working under the Department of Defense and working with military and being schooled pretty harshly, um, you're not supposed to leave a message on somebody's um, voice message on their cell phone. But the message that I got was, ma'am, this is Sergeant Charles Reif, U.S. Army. Your son's been fatally shot in Iraq. You need to get to Longstill, Germany. So, uh, mine, mine is also, this story is a spiritual story, too, because I was at church when that happened, and I ran back into the church, and there was only four people left, because I was actually in a daze when this was, when, after I'd um, opened up my voicemail to hear this phone call. And I ran back in there, and we started praying, we got on our knees, and the Lord spoke to me and said, believe and have faith, I will heal your son, and I will heal him completely. Now, I will tell you, Chad's not perfect yet, but he is a miracle walking around because he lost 30% of his front lobe, and he can walk, talk, he can do everything, he can golf. But as most people in the military who understand trauma brain injuries, which is a TBI, um, your frontal lobe is your executive skills, and um, this is what we're working on right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, to further our story, the issue that happened uh, with my son, he he did make it to Walter Reed. I was told he could die flying to Launchville. Uh He made it. I was told he would die possibly because of the air pressure in the plane, that he could die on his way to Walter Reed, and, and he didn't make it. Uh, he did make it. Um, when we got there, uh, the doctor stopped us and said, I want to let you know, Miss Ray, that your son... 
I just want to tell you, you know, he could be deaf, dumb, and blind, and I just don't think he's going to be able to see. Because I actually thought the bullet um, severed his um, optical nerve. Well, when I got in there and I looked at him, and I was so happy because when they said he was shot in the head, I just figured part of his head was going to be missing, and it wasn't. Um, they actually filled his frontal lobe with abdominal fat in Baghdad. The, the doctor up there did a phenomenal phenomenal um, surgery on my son and his head was swollen but he looked normal and I was just crying because I was so thankful that he looked so good and I said I told him I said Chad it's mom and he said hi mom he was in a coma and he still was able to speak out so you know and I told the doctors I said my son is going to live and he is going to be normal so you have to you know you have to have that kind of faith in order to walk the and go through, you know, what we went through. And I know there's many families out there that have done the same thing and have fought, you know, a, a great fight like we fought. Um, now, as far as uh, his stay, how long did he stay at uh, Walter Reed? Well, he got there um, in less, uh, a little less than two weeks after his surgery. Um, so that was, um, what, around November 20th probably, uh, or in between 20th or 25th. So we weren't at Walter Reed very long. In fact, in the video um, that I resent you um, to repost, because I think I sent you the wrong link at first, but um, you can actually see Chad sitting up. He would, he, uh, when we were there only for four days, he came out of the coma and then he sat up in the chair and there was a lot of things we experienced. Um, you get schooled very quickly you know, when you have to learn about a trauma brain injury. And I was not, um, I had several members of our family that served in the military. I had an uncle who was a Navy SEAL. My uncle served in the Korean War and, and others. But um, I had no idea uh, about what I was about to experience. I don't think you can imagine it until you have a family member go through being severely injured. Um, he, at Thanksgiving, was really the first day he woke up in 2004. He got up and he literally walked with his walker and ate uh, lunch with all the other wounded veterans at Walter Reed. Um, at Christmas time, um, our president at that time, um, George W. Bush and Laura, came to visit our wounded veterans. And we were in the Malone House, um, which was one of the campuses there for our wounded veterans. And we stood right there, and um, we're waiting for him to come inside. And Chad having a frontal lobe issue, you know, he's still trying to think, and his brain's doing reruns of, you know, past and um, present things, and he's trying to gather his thoughts together. You can just see in his eyes, you know, that he's trying to think about everything. But he looked outside when the Secret Service were there, and he got, he acted like he picked up his gun, and he saw them in the trees outside the Malone house. And he actually, because he was a sniper, he actually started pretend shooting them, and they started running over to him, and I said, no, no, my son has a brain injury. I said, he just thinks he sees, you know, the enemy out there, and so they stood down, and then, then they understood, and then a couple of them got a little emotional, actually, seeing that, you know, Chad was... Um, you know, doing his duty even after he was shot. You know, he was out there trying to shoot him out of the trees. So then um, um, President Bush came in, and um, we got to meet him in person. He signed a football for us, and it, it was an emotional time. It, it was pretty emotional, you know, because my son was able to stand up, and when we told him we were from Texas, he took, um, at that time, he took a lot of pride in Chad and I, and stood there and uh, allowed us to get our picture taken with him and Laura. So that was a that was a phenomenal moment for us. Oh and then gosh. when I uh, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. No, I just I just said, oh yes, I just agreed with you. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we, you know, of course, went back to our room, and um, then we went to a few dinners. Um, there was a place where a lot of the wounded veterans got to go. And we ended up um, getting to go out one evening, and we met um, a high executive of the uh, Japan ambassador, and we got to have dinner with him. And at that dinner, I got to meet uh, Brigadier at that time was 
Brigadier General Frank Helmet, who ended up being a lieutenant general at Fort Bragg, and then he ended up retiring um, from that position. But that man was probably one of the greatest men I, to this day, I admire still, and he was instrumental in helping me get uh, a job as Texas State Representative for the Severely Wounded under the Department of Defense. And that's how I started working for our wounded veterans across the country is um, holding that position. Um, I was appointed that position in 2000, early 2005. So um, I really didn't get any training for it. Um, Chad left uh, Walter Reed uh, December 26th of that year, right, the day after we met um, George Bush, he was sent to one of the uh, TBI programs. There's only four in the nation, uh, one of the polytrauma units, and it was Richmond, Virginia. And um, because of, of me speaking out about my concerns of them not being properly um, uh, trained to take care of our trauma brain injured veterans at Walter Reed, they were very good, and they were uh, absolutely phenomenal with with the limbs and and um, things of that sort. But they didn't have the staff to totally take care of our TBI veterans, so they had to move them to the polytrauma units for rehab. Well, Chad was only there a month and a half, and during that time, um, it, it, it was not a good program because they had several vets escape at that time out onto the streets and. Chad wasn't one of them, but it was a kind of a broken system at that time. Now I hear that they have a phenomenal program, which uh, I wish it would have been at the time we were there. But there was a lot of things and a lot of balls that were dropped during the time that uh, Chad was injured. From uh, the time he, we requested him to be moved from there, he was moved to a halfway house in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, I don't know why they did that. But that was not a good move because um, you don't move a two-month-old brain-injured veteran into a halfway house and let him live on his, you know, semi-live on his own and make decisions because they don't have the capability to do that. That's right. So I was able to intervene with, um, at that time, Brigadier General Frank Helmick to move Chad to Texas, which is where I wanted him to be. But even during this time, let us all realize that our country wasn't prepared to take care of trauma brain injured veterans, nor even the other veterans with all their injuries. I mean, we were having so many come home and being saved. Um, I don't think our society knew exactly what to do and how to do it and the facilities to put them in and, and give them further long-term, you know, rehab that they needed. And even today, we don't have all the specialty programs for TBIs. Right. Um, I think, um, so I was able to move Chad to a program that wasn't um, for wounded veterans. He was actually the only wounded veteran at this program in Dripping Springs, and he was there six months. And Chad was so smart. Uh, I will tell you, he's probably with somebody who lost 30% of his frontal lobe. Um, he was smart enough to think that he was okay and he didn't need rehab. So um, unbeknownst to me, um, uh, the person who was in charge of him at that time moved him to the VA in, Temple, in, in Waco, Texas. He was put um, in a, another program there that was not appropriate for him. And we had an incident there where I had to get involved as the state representative, and thank God I had the connections because once I found out what they did to Chad, um, I was able to make a phone call and, and intervene in that situation. But Chad, having a brain injury, you know, they do things um, on impulse, and that's one of the hardships of, of them is impulsivity that's and true. not being able to, yeah, pardon I was just going to say, Vicky, why don't we continue on with this when we come back from break? Um, sure. Very, you know, very good story. Uh, today's show is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Vicki Ray, former advocate for severely injured under the DOD Wounded Warrior Program. And Bill? Well, Vicki, as I listen to you in that story, uh, you know, uh, so often we commend our men and women for their service to this great country of ours, and, and we thank them. And we also have a special recognition for family members and by saying uh, thank you, family members, for your sacrifices. Uh, just listening to you, Vicki, you've not only uh, been at uh, sacrifice uh, with your son, but you immediately uh, turn into being a caregiver uh, with his condition. So uh, tell our listening audience about what that experience has been in being a caregiver to Chad, and at the same time, how has that helped you in your continued work with other ve- veterans who are similarly circumstanced. Okay. Well, this is going to be a long explanation, but I uh, just bear with me. That's okay. Um, I was not uh, appointed guardian at first. Um, Chad's father was appointed guardian, and um, it took me a while to um, be able to be appointed um, his father actually, and, but I stayed with Chad the entire time. I was, I actually monitored him, and because of my position, I was able to do a lot of things for him that his father couldn't do because of my position and the people that I know and and I had and met. So um, when Chad was allowed to get married, um, he married a person that um, didn't have the best intentions for him. And at, uh, after two years of marriage, he um, there was a situation where she had him thrown in jail. He was arrested. And at that point is when I was able to um, be appointed um, guardian of Chad. At that point, I will tell you, this is when I really had to fight for Chad's life because Chad... Um, not only was in trouble with the law, he was locked up for 21 days in jail, and we did not know where he was until we finally hunted down his now ex-wife to figure out what had happened to him. So I've been through an entire gamut of trying to support Chad and get him into the right rehab, which he wasn't able to get in for several years. He actually fell through the cracks, which... Definitely, he was treated like a mental patient, not a, a, a veteran with a brain injury that needed the proper rehabilitation. And let us understand this. It's amazing to me that 
people of uh, stature can get immediately uh, the most proper rehabilitation needed, yet our veterans are the ones who get neglected 90% of the time, if not more, of the proper rehabilitation, whether it's short-term or long-term, and brain injury is long-term. So um, I started fighting for Chad's right. Not only did he not have the proper pay, I had to fight to get him the proper pay and, um, you know, money that was owed to him from the previous years. I mean, family members have to fight for that. I shouldn't have to fight for that. It seems like once you go to battle and you come home, this should be an automatic thing that happens for these families because it's already traumatic for them. And many of them don't have the fight in them nor the how-to in order to do what I was able to do, and a lot of mine had to be, um, uh, because of the connections I have, was a great asset for me. So I had to fight the court system. Um, it, it, it was horrifying. Chad going to veterans court, and then I had to fight the VA. Um, after going through veterans court, uh, we had to do what the court said, and that was to send him to a rehab not of my choice, and I knew the proper, after doing all this investigation work and understanding TBI, I felt like I knew as much, if not more, than the, than the VA who was trying to order me what to do. So um, we were ordered to go to a rehab that I did not choose, but we did that anyway. And my son even left that program after a few months and called a friend to come get him. I mean, that's how smart he is. I mean, our our veterans need to, you know, they need to be honored, and we need to stand by them, and we do not need to treat them like they're mental patients. And Chad had the smarts enough to call somebody to come and get him from his hometown, and he just wanted to come home. He didn't want to be locked up. He felt like he was being locked up. He didn't want to go to rehab, which he needed. So anyway, we had some issues about that. And finally, after um, many months, almost a year of fighting for his rights and him, um, you know, being sent to Walter Reed or going there to have to be retested, I was able to get him into one of the best programs in the nation, and that was at the Eisenhower Center. And um, he is still there right now. We're still working on some of the frontal issues that he has to this day. Um, it's a long-term thing. It's not a short-term thing. And there's not enough places in this country, and we should have one in every single state, because I don't think it's fair to the family members nor to the wounded veteran to be have to live out of state and miles and miles away from their loved ones um, trying to get proper rehabilitation. I think, you know, that's what I am trying to advocate for now. Of course, we have the presidency um, you know, um, coming that, that's going on right at this moment, so it's very difficult to try to advocate for this. But that's my goal is to try to get trauma brain injured veteran programs built in every single state and similar, if not the same exact program as the Eisenhower Center because they are very, very well trained and very good and skilled uh, workers there. Um, that know exactly how to work with um, our brain injured veterans. And Chad was, um, his case was one of the uh, very first and few that they had there at the center. And now they're getting more wounded veterans there, um, you, you know, because of Chad being there and them having more experience. They need to be around battle buddies. Our veterans uh, leave the war and with that brain injury, they leave at that time, at that moment. And when they are, they come back and they're trying to heal, they're still thinking about at that time when they were in the war and they feel comfortable around their battle buddies. And that's a comfort zone for them. And it's a safety zone. And we need to make a safety zone for them. We need to have a place where they can get rehabilitation and feel safe. And we don't have to worry about them getting arrested out in public because they did something now inappropriate, considered inappropriate in today's time. Uh, I don't think that's fair. Uh, I think it's unconscionable to even consider, you know, putting our veterans through um, that kind of turmoil. 
Well, you're absolutely correct, Vicki. And uh, I'd like to bring to your attention, because something just occurred uh, uh, yesterday, the starting of this in the, in the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., the VA con- uh, convened leaders in the brain health to advance solutions for TBI and post-traumatic stress at a brain trust summit. So if you get an opportunity to get on the VA's website at va.gov, it, uh, they're talking about the launching of this particular summit. And, uh, you know, you might want to make some comments there because I totally agree with you that what you're advocating for now to try to get this nationwide, it's a must and it's necessary. Oh, it's an absolute necessity. Seeing what my son went through at Walter Reed and then, you know, being treated and condemned. My son was condemned to a mental ward. The Dallas VA told me on a conference call with eight people, I had to hire an advocate, a lieutenant colonel, special forces, to get on my team. I had to pay him for three years to be witness to what my son and I went through. He literally couldn't believe it at first because I hired him while Chad was still in jail. And he, he couldn't believe the story. He, he said, at first I thought you were you know, not telling the truth. But after we hired him and he started working with us, it, it, it was appalling to see what we went through. Now, I think it's a, a shame and, again, a travesty to say that a, a wounded veteran with a brain injury is a mental patient. They're not mental. They, they need rehabilitation. They are a brain-injured veteran, and they deserve the top-notch care. Bob Woodruff was a reporter who got injured in Iraq, and that reporter was able to be transferred to the United States and got the top-notch care that our country had to offer. And I have to say that most of our veterans don't receive that kind of, kind of top-notch care where we don't have to worry about what, you know, what they're getting and how they're getting it and how long it's going to be. Whatever it takes to give these brain-injured veterans the top-notch care, it shouldn't come out of any family veteran's pocket or their family members. It should be paid for by the United States government. If our United States government did the right thing from the beginning of their injury and not drug up our wounded veterans just with drugs to cover up, you know, the really what's going on mentally and physically, we would save billions of dollars. I have been involved in so many abuse cases, it's shameful. I will tell you that uh, I have, I saved a, a young man, and we're, I'm friends with this woman. After saving her son, I got so many phone calls. That's how even my advocacy grew, because after I was let go from the Department of Defense uh, position, I couldn't quit working because I was getting too many phone calls across the United States, because my advocacy work um, was supposed to be just in Texas, but I... I should have been a federal recovery coordinator. I just wasn't, I didn't have the degree to hold that position at the time or the education to, to do that. But actually, I was able to do as much, if not more, than, than they did because I had to call the carpet on so many um, cases that I had gotten while I was in that position. And I was able to have a great impact because I carried a DOD card, and I had a position with the government. Now, that's amazing, right? You know, that you have, once you have this position and you show them the authority, you know, people kind of step it up and they do their job. So you have to fight a little bit more. The families have to fight. You know, if they're they're just a family member or a veteran, well, you don't seem to have that kind of clout. And it's hard if you don't know how to fight for yourself. So I... um, ended up, you know, being able to have uh, the education of what I had went through to be able to help and still continue to fight for these veterans even after I held that position um, under the Department of Defense. So it's very important for people to understand 
that there is help out there. I mean, they they feel hopeless. I I understand that because that's what happens even till today. Um, such as one case where this veteran, this mother called me. I got her case. Um, I asked her to send me all the information and photos of her son who was drugged up. Uh, he was on drugs from the VA, so much so that he ended up getting in an accident. Um, I think um, he had uh, been drinking also, so that doesn't work well. And a lot of our veterans do have um, issues with abuse of alcohol along with the drugs. They're just trying to mask their, their feelings, their, their, um, their condition, and their pain. So it, it's, not a, it's not a good thing. It's not healthy. So this veteran uh, had an accident. He rolled down a hill. He was put in um, a, a physical rehab. He went downhill. His mother decided to fight for his rights. Um, she got him out of this uh, VA rehab program because uh, he was actually tied up at times, and he was there's photos of him where he was burned with cigarettes. Um, I won't go much more into that abuse, but once I got those photos and I got the story, I sent it up to headquarters VA, and we were able to get her uh, the proper pay that he deserved. We were able to get him almost uh, back pay of over $250,000. That's just one story. And it's terrible that you have to use photos and information like that just to get the proper, you know, um, uh, medical care that these veterans need. And that, that's, just, that's just one horror story. They, they just go on and on and on. Okay. All right. Uh, again, what I'd like to say, Vicki, is I'm going to set you up with uh, uh, to talk to Dr. Mark Gordon. He's been very successful in the treatment of TBI, and I'll give you that information uh, after the show. If you're going, okay. Do you own a business? Do you feel that your merchant account is taking money out of your pocket? Then check out our sponsor, First Class Merchant Services. They are a national merchant service company, and Josh Cole is the owner. Give him a call right now. He will save you money on your merchant services. That's Josh Cole at First Class Merchant Services. Call 407-401-0772. That's 407-401-0772. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. And we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. 
Now, back to our program. Now. Well, my, um, my main thing, because I have I've worked so many issues with wounded veterans across the country, um, I, I, I think it's important that the families are know that there is someone that they can call and we need 800 numbers besides the VA number that uh, people can call, our veteran families can call um, to get the kind of support they need because each case is so um, unique and different. Um, I don't work cases to uh, always get uh, their benefits. I know people who do that uh, for free. They, they, they don't charge for that. But I do work abuse cases, and uh, I think the abuse has to stop. There's too many abuse cases in this nation. Um, it was all over the news. This isn't just me saying it. Um, just last year with the VA and not giving the proper care for our veterans. Um, I think we have to commend Israel. I will say this about Israel and their commanders because I was going to go over to is- Israel and take some of our TBI veterans over there. Um, I wasn't able to do that because um, I think there was issues with the war and we couldn't get it organized. But I was going to meet with one of the head commanding officers of the Army. I don't have his name right in front of me. But um, those Israelis take care of their veterans. Not only do they provide housing, they have the top-notch care, and they do not have the issues that we have in our country uh, with health care. And they do not drug up their veterans. They find solutions for their injuries, and they cure them. They don't try to mask um, the situation up, and that's what we do here in the United States, and it's a proven fact because we have veterans dying every day. Um, uh, I, I mean, unnumbered amount, and it's 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 horrifying. I I can't even express how my feelings towards how our wounded veterans are treated in this country, and it has to stop. I think it's abusive. Yes. You know, um, Vicki, that we also had an organization on um, probably about a year ago. Uh, it's run by Ms. Schaefer, and uh, she actually gets uh, uh, veterans and takes them to Israel uh, at no expense. So uh, maybe I could set you up with her also. Uh, it would be good, somebody good to work with, and, you know, it could all happen yeah. for you. Well, in fact, we were going to try to send uh, some of our um, PTSD uh, guys over there, and I would like to talk to her about that because they were going to train them in this program and then bring them back to the United States and start that same program here so we could, you know, multiply it in every state um, in the United States. So I think that's a very, very important. Again, my main issue, and I would love to speak in front of you know, the VA um, Emporium, um, however we can get me there and do this. And they need other parents um, that I have plenty of contacts and, and for these family members that I've even worked with to explain their story and what the horror that they've gone through. I mean, this doesn't have to happen. We, again, we can save billions of dollars if we would do this right thing from the very beginning. And that is no matter at any cost, give them the top-notch care. And if we have to close down VA facilities and, you know, like Donald Trump said, and, you know, use regular hospitals to give our veterans top-notch care, that's exactly what we need to do. We, they deserve it. They served our country. They, did, they weren't drafted. They, they went in freely to fight for this nation, and we should be freely giving back to them and not causing the kind of havoc in these families that's breaking them down, not just the veteran himself, but the entire family unit is falling apart. Bill? Well, uh, Vicki, you had mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, getting financial support for uh, these uh, veterans uh, that are similarly circumstances as... uh, as Chad was, how, how uh, uh, 
have you been working with any of the uh, veteran service organizations in your area or attorneys who might be taking these cases on a pro bono basis? Uh, no, actually, you know, we had to pay for Chad's uh, attorneys. It cost uh, this in this entire story about Chad has cost him a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I had no attorney that offered to get my son out of jail for free. I had no one to help me except myself, and then I had enough smarts to reach out to my. Uh, contacts and hire the man that I got on my team, and I literally feel if it hadn't been for that, that there would have been more abuse to uh, me and my son because they were actually attacking me too for advocating for my for my son Chad. So once I built my team up, um, then I had some power, and I had witnesses to what was being done to Chad. You know, it's, wow. it's, it's a sad thing. It's, it's horrifying. And I think if I hadn't been such a fighter, I could have collapsed under all the pressure. But I didn't. What it did, it, it made me tougher, and it made me a fighter, and it made me fight for the right that my son deserved, and that was to live, and live as normal as he can possibly live with a brain injury. Wow. Well, yeah, I, that's terrible. That's totally terrible. Outrageous. Uh, anyway, you have a lot of support, Vicki. Uh, you find a lot of support uh, for, for what's going on. Um, uh, how, how did you get these uh, organizations involved with you? I mean, they're like the Gold Star Family Foundation, uh, uh, Professional uh, PGA, um, uh, the Gary Sinise Foundation, even Hollywood actors. Uh, did well, you find I, uh, them? Go ahead. Uh, well, what happened was uh, when I started working with uh, Gary Sinise and his band, and I will tell you that man is phenomenal. I, yes. I, I don't know any other uh, um, actor that promotes and supports our wounded veterans than Gary Sinise. Um, I, when I was working with a foundation um, who actually um, helped pay uh, for Chad's rehab, for the first two years. If it actually wasn't for that one foundation, Chad wouldn't have gotten to go to the Eisenhower Center because the VA refused to pay for his rehabilitation. Um, there's so many loopholes in, in, in that. Um, I'm, I'm going to try not to skip around and let me go back to Gary. I, um, again, started working with uh, Gary when I was putting on these events in Texas. And then we moved these uh, concerts in and the support to um, Buford, South Carolina, where we put on more concerts. And that's how I got started doing that. And I just started doing it on my own when I held that position of Texas State Representative for the Severely Wounded. They didn't give me directions on how to do my job. I had to create my own job. So I started going from base to base and going to hospitals and going to clinics and, and finding these wounded veterans and these families on my own. And that's how my position started. And from there, it just, it, it just blew up. I mean, it just grew and grew and grew because once people know that you're an advocate for veterans, the word spreads around and, and then you get so busy, you know, sometimes you have to turn down cases unless they're really severe. That's so true. there, you know, there are good uh, foundations out there that do uh, all kinds of things. The Gold Star families, you know, they do their own thing. There's each group has things that they specifically do. I I ended up kind of being a pinpoint person, like where sh they would call me up, and um, if it wasn't severe, because I had so many cases, I sent them to organizations to help them. But in our case. Nobody had, you know, uh, the, the, the where to and how to help Chad and I. Right. I literally had to do it on my own and find people, you know, such as our, our, our advocate, our special forces advocate, to help me. And so we did it on our own. Um, the, the DVA couldn't help us. The Disabled American Veterans, DAV, couldn't help us. Because part of it was a legal issue at the time. And right. once Chad even got out of the legal issue, still nobody had the contacts or the fight in them 
to do what I could do for my son. That's true. So that was, it was kind of a travesty, but at the same time, it made me stronger and made me understand, you know, you have to fight for your own family member, and you better get in there and dig and fight until you can figure out who can help you, what organization can help you, but it shouldn't be that way because people right. give up. Right. They, well, they give up because it's a very hard fight. That's true. Well, we only have a couple minutes left, Vicki, and it was a pleasure having you on the show, and we hope to have you back. We want, to, we want you to update us um, what's going on, and uh, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing, Vicki? I would like to say this. I, I would hope that there's many people out there going through possibly the same thing, and they contact you and contact your show and your guest on the show and start letting us know and um, of, of their trials and tribulations. And I think we need to advocate, again, like I said, for Eisenhower Centers to be put in every single state strictly for wounded veterans so they can be with those who have the same type of injury and they, so they can rehabilitate and be with uh, veterans that, you know, they have something in common with, and that is um, travesties from war. So I hope we can get this done. I hope. There are people out there that can help get this done, and we need the money. We need the backing to get it done. I hope I can get a hold of Donald Trump because that is my goal and because he loves our veterans and uh, that we can get this done. All right. And Bill? Well, Vicki, thank you very much for spending time with us today. Uh, Your story is one that I think any veteran or their family that has to uh, face the situation uh, to give them some hope that things can change around. Uh, continue to do what you're doing, and we're very happy that we have an advocate like you out fighting for our veterans. Definitely. Uh, thank Definitely. you both very much. I, I respect you both, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7, on our website, and you can hear all the archive shows right from your phone. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, on an any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray, and thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do believe.